1: Welcome to Total Wine & More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of
2: the world. When people talk about Total Wine & More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere.
1: And friendly, helpful experts at every turn.
2: You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the
1: world. Shop in-store or online at TotalWine.com.
3: Welcome everyone to another episode of the NBA Podcast. This time we'll be previewing the Southeast Division. Joining me today, as always, are Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, guys?
4: Doing alright. Been a little sick, so I'm going to try not to sniffle, but if we have to mute my whole end of the podcast, it probably wouldn't be the worst thing that ever happened.
2: (laughs) I'm right there with you, Sarah, and so is my son. We have been sniffling for two days now. Oh, good. All right. So this is the viral. (laughs) At Ace, we believe there's nothing better than helping kids. That's why we've been proud to support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals for over 25 years. This Friday through Sunday, get our 5-gallon bucket and 20% off almost anything that fits inside when you donate $5 to support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. And like Ace, CMN Hospitals are local, so the money you donate helps kids near you.
0: Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks.
2: Offer valid at participating stores on regular price merchandise only. Additional conditions and exclusions apply. See store for details.
0: Of the NBA
3: podcast. My wife is also sick, so this is just great. I'm going to keep my immune system in check so I can uh, hopefully keep things rolling along here. So we've tackled the Atlantic and the Central. We are now turning our attention to the Southeast Division, where a lot of teams went through some significant overhaul, which we will be touching upon in the coming hour. We're going to start with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, they obviously went through the biggest overhaul, losing Al Horford and trading Jeff Teague. They brought in Dwight Howard and drafted a couple forwards in DeAndre Bembry and Tarion Prince. Also re-signed Kent Bazemore. So, Sarah, I'm going to start with you, given your infatuation with big men. How do you think they <laughs> adapt to the loss of Al Horford? And how how does Dwight fit in there?
4: What's funny is, like... My infatuation with Big Man is kind of overruled by my not really caring much for Dwight Howard. So... <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and it's, it's no reason, really. I just don't. <laughs> He's going to have a good year. You guys have both been saying how this could be a really good spot for him, that he wasn't really as bad as it seems like he was last year. Um,. What I'm most interested in is to see they're kinda in sink or swim mode with, with uh Dennis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just gonna ride that out. Um it's gonna be an interesting year. I, I don't know that he's hundred percent ready for that. But they do have Jarrett Jack. Is he is he stuck? Is he gonna stay? I don't know how that's gonna play have, out. He's on the roster. I haven't heard right it right now.
3: Yeah, yeah, I haven't heard anything either way. Okay,
4: well they got him and they have Tim Hardaway Junior, but that's another young guy.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: so that's gonna be the most interesting thing in my opinion um you know it's still got Millsap. Dwight's i think you're you guys are right dwight's gonna have a good year it's really just in my opinion gonna depend on how well dennis plays that starting point guard spot
3: yeah totally agree what about you morton how do you see this all playing out
2: well, the the point about Jared Jack, he's becoming a little bit necessary because Dennis Schroeder is still young and you need to throw a veteran there who knows how to lead an offense and play the pick and roll with Dwight. Speaking of, was it 91 or 92 pick and roll possessions Dwight was involved in last year? It was yeah. virtually nothing. 91, and I believe. 91, that is ridiculously low. Yeah. And I expect that number to climb. Yes. Like having said that, Dwight has always had this problem that he sees himself as a back-to-the-basket big man. He is not. He is very best setting the pick and then just going straight down the middle. And if anyone can reach him, I think it's Mike Budenholzer. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, I'm very optimistic about Dwight. Not that he'll return to like Orlando Magic Dwight, but he could be a 17... Point guy, 12 rebounds, 2.5 blocks, 60% from the field, and then the continuous free throw problem. But, you know, who expected otherwise? <laughs>
3: right. Haven't you seen those videos? He's he's <laughs> shooting them at, like, 70% clip now. Maybe, maybe the move back home will do him good in that regard.
2: Well, he shot 82% in Lakers practice.
3: Oh, yeah. Okay, never mind. He's still going to shoot, like, terribly from the free throw line. So, <laughs> <laughs> that is not going to change. I'm with you guys. I mean... I've been pretty bullish on Dwight to the Hawks for a while now. Um Morton, you touched on it. The Hawks or the sorry, the Rockets really just did not utilize Dwight in the way that he should be. And then I think it was Ramona Shelburne who had that story of ESPN, uh, toward the end of the playoffs where it was like Dwight even approached Daryl Morey at one point and was like, hey, I want to be used more in this offense. And Daryl Morey said no. <laughs> so so that that didn't exactly bode well for his time in Houston, and you can't really blame him for moving on there. Um, Sarah, I think you nailed it. Dennis Schroeder is really going to be the key to how good Dwight is. I think he's a natural pick-and-roll point guard, so that will work well. The question is, can he shoot well enough to command the respective defenses. You know, you still have Kyle Korver there, um, so you've got at least one guy who you can't leave open uh, from the three-point arc. But Kent Bazemore is kind of a streaky shooter. Paul Millsap, that's become more of his game uh, in recent years. But, you know, Al Horford actually kind of unveiled a three-point shot last year for the first time, and Dwight Howard, that is not part of his game. So... The spacing I'm very interested to see because I think it's a pretty clear downgrade in that regard. Uh, Do you guys think they are due for some regression compared to the past two years?
4: I would say a little bit, yep.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Sarah, you're allowed to expand on that. (laughs)
4: That's okay. No, yeah, I mean, I have the utmost faith in, in Coach Bud, but, yeah, I just think, it's pretty clear the roster is not quite where it was the last few years. And and beyond that, we all saw how they unfortunately performed in the playoffs regardless. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
4: I think they'll take a, a small step back. Lucky for them, although actually it's not really that lucky. <laughs> I was going to say they play in a pretty pretty sad division, but divisions don't really matter anymore, so never mind. So.
3: <laughs> right, there is that. Morton, you're you're on the same boat. You think they're going to take a step back this year?
2: Yeah, like their second best player, arguably right now, is Dwight Howard. Depending on the evolution of Danny Schuerer, and you can't necessarily have him in at the end of games like you could Horford.
0: Right, that's a huge blow.
2: Yeah, that's a huge blow. Uh, Horford could, (laughs) I mean, he could hit three throws, but outside that, he could hit threes. He could stretch. He provided spacing. Dwight, if he's not within eight feet, he's not doing any damage. So, yeah. I I just look at Mike Budenholzer's team right now with less flexibility coming into this year as opposed to last. Mm -hmm. Adding to that is Kyle Korver, who has... He's nearing his NBA death, so to speak. sure. I mean, he's old, man, and he is not quick anymore. We saw him regress last year. I don't think adding a year to it is going to help anything. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of leaving it up to Kent Basemore to suddenly blow up. Right.
3: Right. And he did last year to be fair, but you're definitely expecting him to take even another step forward. Uh, and he's got these two young rookies to hold off for playing time. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out. I'm with you guys. I think, you know, the, days of the 60-win Hawks are a thing of the past. I think that was just a flash in the pan and a confluence of events working in their favor. You know, I do think Dwight has a good year. I'm pretty optimistic about Schroeder, but I I, I forget who said. I think both of you said Jared Jack is a good insurance policy, and I agree with that. Um, I mean, we'll, I think we're going to touch on this theme a lot throughout this preview. The Hawks are lucky in the sense that they play in a division that's pretty battered. I mean, there's not... I would argue there's not really a clear front runner, and there's not a team that is a clear-cut playoff team out of the the whole division, really. So, you know, they they might pick up a couple wins just because they're in the southeast versus you know a team in the central who has to compete with Cleveland and Indiana and Detroit every night. So, we'll see what happens with Atlanta. Uh, let's move on to the Charlotte Hornets. They. They, they made their big re-signing of Nick Batum, which they af- absolutely had to do after trading for him last year. So that was a big win. They did lose some bench depth, though. They lost Jeremy Lin to Brooklyn, Courtney Lee mm. to the Knicks, and then Al Jefferson to the Pacers. And in their place, they signed Ramon Sessions, traded for Marco Abellinelli, and signed Roy Hibbert. Um, hey, <laughs> well,
0: on,
2: on paper it doesn't really sound all that good does it and no no gave up a first round draft pick for marco bellinelli and then signed Roy hibbert like those two alone when you just get them listed up like you just did it sounds pretty depressing
3: it's not ideal but they do have mkg coming back yeah. so that's that is a big plus um I, i'm gonna save my Roy. Hibbert caping a little bit. So Morton, let's start with you on MKG. How do you think he fits in with this roster now that he's knock on wood, back and healthy?
2: Here's the thing. He can handle the basketball. I like that with him. He can't shoot, but he can handle the ball. He's sort of like the small four version of Rashawn Rondo, just saying <laughs> And that's 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 a pretty uh interesting dynamic to throw in there because that means that he can create a little bit off the bounce and create from others. He can collapse defenses because Around the rim, you wouldn't want like this six eight athletic wing to just come crashing into you. He's he can finish around the basket,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but of course the lack of shooting kind of makes him a pseudo Al Jefferson, doesn't it? Like I saw, I, I viewed the the losing of Al Jefferson as an addition by subtract, subtra- subtraction subtraction subtraction.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, there you go. Dane in the house, right? <laughs> Hi, but yeah. So I'm kind of fearing that. Kit Gilchrist is becoming the pseudo-Al Jefferson because he is going to have to score around the rim and not off the bounce. Um, but having said that, he can initiate something. And yeah. that's, a, that's a tremendous positive, and he's like 12,000 times the defender the Big Al is, so that adds some some dynamic to it. But really, it's all about the development of Kimber Walker. Again, Mm -hmm. he took a huge step up last year. The question is now, can he maintain that production? Can he maintain that aggressiveness? Can he maintain this all-star level of play? If he can, okay, I think they're pretty good, and I think they will easily return to the playoffs. If he goes back to being the Kimber that we knew before, well, shit.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, Sarah, what do you think Kemba has in store for an encore this year? And same goes for Nick Batum.
4: I mean, I think Kemba's going to be good. Um, but, the pro- like, I went into this looking at the Hornets, thinking I'm not as high on them as I would have been had they kept Lin. And I'm probably mm-hmm. just too big of a Jeremy Lin fan. Yep. <laughs> but, <laughs> but as I was looking at the roster, like, I just don't see a lot of scoring on this roster. Mm-hmm. And I looked at, they averaged only 90 points per game last year. And they lost something like 33 points per game. And like, specifically, if you look at Al Jefferson, I think averaged about 13 last year. I know his defense was a problem. And so you're you're adding Roy Hibbert's rim protection. But, you know, you're replacing Al's 13 points per game with about 6 points per game. Mm-hmm. So I just really think that's that's going to be a big problem for this year. For them this year, that you can't score. I don't know how you're going to keep up. I don't care how good your defense is. Obviously, they're adding MKG and and Hibbert, but that's that's really going to be a struggle. Batum is a great guy to have on your on your roster in that he can do a little bit of everything, but he's he's not often going to give you a lot of points. You know, he he just kind of plugs in there. But so that that for me is their biggest problem.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, in theory, Marco Bellinelli, Jeremy Lamb, and Ramon Sessions will be those kind of microwave scorers off the bench. Mm -hmm. But when you look at their front court depth, I mean, behind Marvin Williams, it's Frank Kaminsky and Christian Wood. And then center, you mentioned Hibbert. They've also got Spencer Hawes. But even Cody Zeller is not a big-time scorer. So a lot of the scoring load is going to fall on Walker, Batum, and Marvin Williams, it seems like. Yep. Um, Martin, you did mention MKG's able to handle the ball and I think that's what in my opinion, that's what made Kemba break out last year is that he had Batum there who can also handle the ball. So mm. it wasn't like all of the ball handling responsibilities weren't falling on him and he was more free to work off the ball. And he's like he's lethal as a cutter. So the fact yeah. that you have guys I mean, I, I think this is probably the the next big trend in the NBA is to, you know, we've got positionless basketball. We've got small ball. Now I think the next big trend is going to be having multiple guys who can run your offense. So you don't necessarily need a star point guard like Chris Paul, who is running every possession. So I think having Batum and having MKG in there is really going to help Kemba. And it would not surprise me to see him take another step forward this year. Um,
2: so you're saying that one of the new things the NBA has to offer is something they did a lot of in the 90s?
3: <laughs> yeah, they're going right back to it, yeah.
2: No, I I agree. It's just when you look back at the 90s, you had a lot of wings who could handle the ball. Like Scotty and Grand Hill, when Penny was switched to the two, he was the playmaker. And, and even Nick Anderson, when Penny was at the one, he could play uh, on the ball a lot. So you had a lot of these double playmakers but but i agree that it's becoming a larger necessity now that defensive rules have changed and the uh, everything is about spacing and cutting and, and shooting and and all these things um so yeah you could make Kemba your target like your constant target which means theoretically he could have like a 25 point season yeah that would be interesting and i it might even be necessary Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, having having said that i still do expect frank kaminsky to establish himself a little bit more in his next season mm-hmm. you kind of have to when he you you turn down six picks right. for uh, <laughs> for that decision my yeah. god i just look i uh, michael jordan is god to me but turning down that trade uh, yeah all right that's just me
3: and heck even picking him over justice winslow I, mean, yeah, I, you... I
2: wasn't even going, I, I wasn't going to crab on the legend. So, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but just pile on, Brian. I'm not yeah. going to be there. And I,
3: I get it. Hornets fans get very defensive when the Kaminsky thing gets brought up. So I think you're right in the sense that he does need to have a big year to quiet the critics of that supposed. I mean, you know, we don't know the details of that trade. Like it, it's been reported yeah. that it was six picks and four first round picks. We don't know exactly what happened. We do know that Justice Winslow was on the board, and they passed him up for Kaminsky.
2: So, and we know Danny Ainge was afterwards like, oh, probably a good thing we didn't do it. Yeah. He was he was really backtracking on that. I was like, oh, them, some things happen for a reason, and, and that's probably a good thing. He, yeah, he knew. we he touched
3: knew. on Danny Ainge. You know I don't believe a word that yeah. comes out of that man's mouth. <laughs> um, so
2: just just a question to you guys. Jeremy Lamb, Like, yeah. what do you see from Jeremy Lamb this year? I I think it's make-or-break time.
3: Sarah, what do you think?
4: I would agree with that. Uh, I hope he steps it up because, first of all, I think he is capable. I'm not sure Mm. what's holding him back. Um, He's going to get opportunities this year, so he's got to capitalize. But, I mean, you guys brought it up about um, Brian. You said that he and and Ramon and Bellinelli are the guys who are supposed to come in and and help make up for that. That kind of scoring that they're going to need, but at, at least one of those guys has to, because they're going to be hurting for points. So that's the opportunity is there. He's got mm-hmm. to avail himself of it.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm with you. I think I, he wasn't bad last year. I mean, he's been inconsistent, which has been the problem that's plagued him back to his OKC days. And yeah. I don't know that that changes, but. I mean, like, look at, I I don't want to compare him to this guy, but look at Nick Young. Like, he's made an NBA career out of being quite possibly the streakiest shooter in the league. You know, he can blow up for a 25-point game or he can turn around and start running down the court (laughs) mid-shot. And and it's not like Steph Curry where he knows it's going in. Uh,
2: No, and, and to be fair, Lamb did have a good year last year. I mean, when you look at it, he played limited minutes under 19 a game. Mm-hmm. Averaged almost 9 points and almost 4 rebounds. When you turn that up to per 36, he's a 17 and 7.4 guy. That's yeah. a positive, but it was the streakiness. It was the right. lacking yeah. jump shot. It was the fact that he had such an or has such an obvious level of talent that he seems to not be utilizing. Look, he's long. He's sneaky athletic. He's got a quick first step. And when you look at the way he shoots the basketball... There is nothing to suggest he could not become like a 42 or 43% three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. Yet, it hasn't happened yet. I'm I'm still waiting for that one year where he just says, screw it, I'm here, I'm on the scene. Yeah. I mean, it and, and it sounds overly emotional, I get that. But it, the talent level is just so obvious. It's yeah. so obvious that yeah. I'm expecting more.
3: I can see that. I, I mean, I think... You know, we talked about it earlier. I think having multiple ball handlers will help him in that regard, just because mm. you can't really, you don't know where the offense is going to be coming from. So I think, knock on wood, that should open some opportunities from him. And they also mm. just really badly need some three point shooters, especially after losing Lin and Lee. Those were two of their best three point shooters. So it, I, I think you said it best, Mort. It's a make or break year for Lamb.
2: Marco Bellinelli. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For the, for the three-point shot, because when you give up a first-round draft pick for him, you better make sure you use him.
3: To be fair, the Kings then used that pick on Malachi Richardson, who is from Syracuse, so you know he's going to be out of the league in three years anyway. Oh,
4: hate. Absolute shade.
2: <laughs> Too soon? It's, oh, man, your of, mentions is going to be flooded. Speaking of
3: Syracuse, let me allow my Georgetown alum person status to cape for roy hibbert for a second i mean we saw him he was awful with the lakers last year let's not cover it up he was terrible but Mm -hmm. look who was the coach i mean byron scott basically tried everything he could to murder d'angelo russell's basketball career before it ever got off the ground and i think we're gonna see this year that russell is a far better player than he showed last year Uh, And I think the same is going to be true for Hibbert in Charlotte. I think Clifford is a great, even-keeled coach. I don't think he's going to jerk his players around and not have a system in place or just not, you know, he's defensive-minded. So I think that's going to play to Hibbert's strengths. And also Patrick Ewing, another fellow Hoya, is on the staff there. And Hibbert has worked with I mean, Hibbert played with Ewing's son at Georgetown. Uh, you know, a lot of the old Georgetown big men come back every summer and work with the current guys. So I I would pretty surely say Hibbert and Ewing have worked together in the past before. So I feel like if anyone is going to get him back to that all-star level he was in Indiana, it's going to be Ewing and it's going to be Clifford. So I'm I'm pretty excited to see if they can – revive his career because it's been quite a sharp drop over the past few years
2: yeah i don't i'm not so sure about going going the coach route on your argument bry because he played for frank vogel yeah that's true and and he started really having problems
3: yeah that that was what the end of how long was he there when he was he just just there for a year when he really started to nosedive or was he there for two he was there for two
2: Two, apparently. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I I hadn't really looked that up, but he just became so so passive and and even defensively, he didn't step up as he used to. He started gambling and and the the verticality thing, you know, he sort of stepped away from that a little bit. It it was weird. So I, I don't know. Roy has had an, let's just say, interesting NBA career so far. Yeah. And for the sake of the league and for the sake of Roy, I obviously hope to see him return to the Defensive Player of the Year caliber-ish player that he once was. Uh, I don't think he ever won the award, but he was like top top three a couple times, if I'm not mistaken. Uh,
3: yeah, he was up there. I don't remember yeah. exactly where he was.
2: He was a candidate, is yeah. what I'm saying.
3: Yeah, yeah. for sure.
2: So you, if he can return to that, sure, that, that'd be great. But... I'm thinking that he needs not just the change of scenery to Charlotte, but he needs to change his game up. Just don't focus on scoring anymore. Yeah. Just focus on rebounding. And he was never a good rebounder uh, to boot. So if he could put some extra effort on that, that'd be nice. Just block shots, yep. rotate, yep. rebound. And he's a good passer. So just get the ball, get it to a guard or or Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, and then get the hell out of the way, Roy. Yeah. That, that would really be... Um, the way to go forward from there because you can't have a low efficiency center taking uh, a bunch of shots a game you just can't
3: yeah i mean so to your point he's never shot above 49.7 percent from the field and he took at least nine shots a game every season from 2009 2010 to through the end of his time in indiana
2: 2014-15 so yeah his career true shooting percentage is 51 yeah, that's I mean that's, <laughs> that's not great. No, it, it's it really is and he survives a lot on his free throw shooting.
3: Yeah, which is good for a big man. It is. He is he is not Dwight Howard in that regard. I think if anything you can look at Bismack Biombo during his time mm. in Toronto more so than Charlotte as kind of the hope for what Hibbert can become. Uh Yeah, I'll buy that. I mean, I don't think he's going to supplant Cody Zeller as the starting center by any means, but I think he's going to give Charlotte 15, 20 good minutes off the bench as a defense-first guy. Because I have zero faith in Spencer Haas as much more than I think Hibbert's going to pass Spencer Haas pretty early in the year.
2: I'm glad you brought that up, because Cody Zeller is their starting center, or projected starting center. Right. I am not sure how I feel about that.
3: Yeah, I, I'm uh well I mean he's this is his fourth year, so yeah. I feel like they're gonna trot him out there kind of as his make or break year to see if he nope. can cap I mean they spent the number four pick on him, right? So it's time to figure out whether he can float as a long term starting center or if that's an area they need to address next year in free agency.
2: I've always looked at him more as a four. Because yeah. I don't think he has the defensive capabilities of playing the center full time. Mm-hmm. I would, I, and and that goes the same with Frank Kaminsky in terms of the defensive factor. But Frank at least has the size and the ability to block shots. Um, right. Though actually, when I'm looking at the numbers, he didn't. He didn't really prove that. <laughs> I must have caught a a good batch of games then from Frank because the games I caught last year, he he was blocking shots. But I'm looking at the numbers, that doesn't seem to be the case either. Well, hell, guys, I'm just realizing that Charlotte might actually have a a huge problem because outside of Roy Hibbert, who do you have as a shot blocker? And if if he's limited to 15-18 minutes a game, then you won't have that presence. Yeah. And yeah. that means an open door policy for opponents.
3: I think the perimeter defense is going to be key there. And, you know, Batum's a great yeah. defender. MKG's one of the best wing defenders in the league. Uh Kemba, at least, you know, he's not necessarily the best. He's not like an all-star caliber defender, but he generates steals. At least he puts pressure on the ball. So I think they're gonna try to keep guys corralled out on the perimeter to avoid having Zeller getting tested all that much. But that is a good point, Mort. It's a, that is a area of concern. For charlotte it,
2: it's a psychological point at least because when you don't have that shop blocker, players are just more inclined to attack off the off the bounce yeah I, it, it's just a thing they look at the stat line they just go okay we have they have no shop blockers in there right now I'm, I'm taking to the hole like every day of the week and if you get a guy in there like russell westbrook who gets that mentality going like how are you going to stop him
3: yeah it's a very good point uh do we have anything else to hit on for charlotte should we move on to the miami heat
2: yeah let, let's get through this awful division yeah
3: this so we're recording this on friday september 23rd uh news broke today via the miami herald i believe it was barry jackson the doctors found more evidence of blood clotting in chris bosh which has derailed his attempted mm. comeback yeah in- Adrian Wojnarowski of The Vertical reported that they increasingly believe his career with the franchise is over and that for months, Bosch hasn't wanted to speak with Pat Riley. You know, at this point, it's still just speculation. We can't definitively say what's going to happen with Chris Bosch, but whereas there was some positivity coming out of his camp earlier this week in terms of him potentially returning, doesn't sound good right now. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed for Bosch and hope that he's healthy and can get this problem under control. But I, at this point, I don't think we can factor Bosch into our prognostication for the Heat this season. Because yeah. it, it certainly doesn't sound like he will be playing anytime soon, at least. So with that said, Bosch is not the only major subtraction for the Heat, obviously, Dwayne Wade was their big one, as Morton can attest.
2: Luol Deng was their big one.
3: Luol Deng is with the Lakers now. They also lost Joe Johnson and Gerald Green. And then, you know, they didn't, they re-signed Tyler Johnson, uh, who Brooklyn tried to steal away from them. But aside from that, you know, their major additions are Derek Williams, Dion Waiters, James Johnson, Wayne Ellington, Bino Udre. Like, these, these are not marquee names aside from maybe dion so why not
2: <laughs> and that's not a possible no, thing man no it's not dion so. waiters being a marquee signing is yeah is, that is like the definition of a bad summer oh my god
3: because it was not like they were knocking down his door at july 1st it was like no. he couldn't find a job and they were like all right we don't have dwayne wade now i guess we'll sign you
2: no they had to go through the forest to find him
3: yeah so more Tell me how they replaced Dwayne Wade. Who do you think starts at the 2 for them?
2: Well, Josh Richardson, um, I I believe he actually sustained an injury uh, a couple of days ago, maybe a week ago. I'm not quite sure how severe it is, but I I look forward to seeing Josh Richardson play. I think he can become a player. He already showed that he could shoot last year, but I think he's got a a game that is well-suited for the NBA. You looked at the Summer League this year. The fact that he's shooting the three ball, with such confidence and aggressiveness, is it, it kind of took me back to the way not not the efficiency, but it took me way to the way that uh, Steph Curry shoots the ball. Like when he trots down court, he's he's got his head up and he's looking at the basket, and as as soon as he sees a shot, it's up there and Josh has some capability of doing that the same thing like when, during the orlando summer league he got the ball off the backboard at one point ran down the court and he saw no one was really contesting so he just pulled up from i think a foot beyond the three point line and it, it was this sense that he cuz he kept taking these open j's even though he had to dribble into them it, it, mm-hmm. there was no fear there's no nothing of that sort so, and I think it's really crucial for Miami to get that sort of player in there who can be efficient because we know that Deion Waiters has the same perspective and the same mentality, but, yeah, the less said the better, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And to to your point about his injury, looks like he's suffered a partially torn MCL uh, toward the beginning of September. The timeline is he's expected to miss about six to eight weeks from that injury. So, in On the best-case scenario, he'll be ready for opening night. Worst case, probably early November. Yeah. So it, it seems like Dion Waiters might inherit the starting job by default, just because I think it seems like Tyler Johnson is going to play some backup point behind Goran Dragic. Um, I'd be surprised if they put him at the two uh, as a starter, just because he's going to be needed as a backup point as well um but
2: would you wouldn't you like 50 million dollars after playing 68 career games
3: (laughs) i sure would yeah gosh i mean i i liked that play from the nets we talked about it in the atlantic that they need to be creative in the ways they acquire talent Mm. so i think you know teams are so reluctant to throw out an offer sheet that i like uh sean marks kind of bucking that convention and saying screw you we're gonna force you into these tough decisions like you know, Portland is now in severe financial trouble because they have Alan Crabb tied to seventy-five million and CJ McCollum on a max deal and Damian Lillard on a max deal and Evan Turner at seventy. And then Miami, the same way. Like, uh, you know, I Miami also matched the Tyler Johnson offer. I don't think they, uh, right? Yeah did,
2: yeah, yeah,
3: did they match? Yeah, they matched it. Right? They didn't do like a. They yeah. So instead of they matched it. Instead of like having 12 million, 12 million, 12 million, 12 million, 12 million his salary explodes. Uh, at the, I guess that would be the start of 2018, 2019. Like it could, jumps up to 20 million. So, yeah, Tyler Johnson's a made man.
2: And and he got that this, this contract despite having not broken a, a 1500 career minutes. Yeah, like just let's settle that. Let's just realize how sick that is. <laughs> that is so crazy. Yeah. He's played 1,466 career minutes, and he's a $50 million man.
3: God bless the new TV deal. Yeah. It's going to lead to a lot. I mean, just wait until next summer. You thought this one was bad.
2: I kind of get why NFL players were a little pissed this summer.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) the the fact that they don't have fully guaranteed contracts, and Tyler Johnson has a fully guaranteed $50 million, (laughs) and they're all going to have severe injuries later in life and nba players side for some knee troubles should be pretty okay yeah i'd be pretty pissed too if i was an nfl <laughs> player but uh, on oh, the starting yeah. two guard note mort i'm with you in thinking richardson takes over that job once he's healthy and then dion yeah. can be the sixth man spark off the bench oh um, god yeah i know get it get excited heat fans so, Sarah, I want to turn to you now because, again, you're a big man infatuation. I'm going to hope you are a little higher <laughs> on Hassan Whiteside than you were Dwight Howard.
4: Yeah, yeah, I am. But um, he also elbowed Boban in the face last year, <laughs> so I'm not a huge fan. But, mm. no, yeah, he's, he's a good young player. I mean, he is a little, every now and then, a little, little bit of a hothead, but... you like the passion.
0: (laughs) That's something.
4: Um, I was looking, though, like, as Morton had said about uh, the Hornets. Now, obviously, it's a little different because you can play Whiteside the bulk of the minutes. But they don't have much front court depth either. Aside from that, I mean, you got Derek Williams. And then what?
2: Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah. The Bosch injury puts them, or I shouldn't say injury, the Bosch health situation puts them in very dire straits
2: yeah uh, amari retired and josh mcroberts you really don't know where he's at he he can go down at any minute it seems like yeah and last year you played lou a lot at the four right so and that the option is now off the table you can okay you can say Derek williams maybe mm-hmm. i suppose yeah Sarah's just shaking her head it's, right
4: now <laughs> it's bad uh, there's not a lot there right now so you might have, yeah, you might I feel have like
3: that. U, UD is still there, so he could see some spot minutes of the five. They do a Willie Reed as well, but yeah, I mean, their they're depth chart is hardly inspiring, especially in the wake of Bush the latest news about Bush. So, yeah. you know, I, it's hard to see, unless Whiteside just takes a major step forward this summer, it's hard to see them becoming a playoff team, but... You know, I am curious uh, to see kind of how their offense changes because I think, you know, we talked about this, I think in the central pod more about how, uh, you know, D-Wade put up big numbers. It was close to 25-5, and but the Heat were better with him off the court than they were with him on the court. And I think that's because he and Dragic just play two diametrically opposed styles, Uh, you know. Wade at 34 with knee troubles is more of a slow it down, milk the clock kind of guy. And Dragic is a run and take threes and kind of move the pace along. So I'm, you know, I'm thinking with them skewing younger now, uh, they're going to start running a little bit more. So I think, Mm. you know, Dragic, I feel like, has not panned out in the way that the Heat expected after signing him to that big deal. But I think this could be the year where they start to see some positive returns on him.
2: Drakic is a guy from the school of Steve Nash and Mono Ginopoli. And you kind of have to play him as such. Mm -hmm. When Wade was in, you're absolutely right, Brian. Things needed to be slowed down for Wade. He's just too old, too many bumps and bruises. They had to play him only 30 minutes a game to boot, so... I, I could see the argument that unleashing Goran Dragic could reap some benefits. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I have to I have to ask: Would you want to reap any benefits now, or do you want just want to say, "All right, screw it, let's rebuild"?
4: The, the benefits aren't going to be that great. <laughs> yeah, it's like I think. Yeah, let let Dragic do his thing. I I honestly have always liked him. So um, I think, yeah, they're going to reap some benefits from that because it, it wasn't really fair having him next to Dwayne all this time. But, like you said, that said, even if they do that, and I do think he will have a good year, it's it's not mm-hmm. going to derail the whole starting over thing. They'll they'll be all right. It's not like they're going to have a great year, even with him doing his thing. So They can still blow it up. I like up.
2: the fact that you're... You're trying to calm me down, saying, "You know, don't worry. They'll be bad regardless. <laughs> no. yeah. Don't worry about it. They won't be good. It's, more. Be it's okay. fine.
4: Um, it's gonna be
2: okay. They're gonna be horrible. That's they'll still fine. Be
4: bad. Don't worry." And I like Goran. Like I said, I like him a lot. But. I
2: was just, I was just about to say, is there a better future Mano Ginobili replacement on the Spurs than Goran Dragic <laughs> as a six man?
4: Yeah, and wasn't That'd he wasn't he a pick for us? I think he was one of the ones that got away.
2: Oh he was I'm pretty sure that makes sense I'm that makes sure total sense <laughs> actually yeah but just one final note on Dragic, right he I did he get 80 or 90 million it was 90 right
3: I thought it was 80 but I could be wrong it oh, might okay. no it might have been 90 you might be right
2: all right but even so like you know what I'm gonna I'm, I'm checking because I want to be sure <laughs> about this because in this new market 86 million
3: okay there you go
2: so here's the thing. If from from the, the perspective of the new cap, it's a fair deal, right? Yeah. But this was built on one good season in Phoenix. Right. One good season in 2013-14. Mm-hmm. That's it. He's not been a high-impact player. Oh, well, fair impact, but not this ridiculously high impact as that in the 14 season. One year. That's, that's the data that made GM say, all right, he's worth like a semi-max or whatever he got. Yeah. So I feel that with him having that contract, it's always playing in the back of my mind in terms of how he produces. I'm expecting him to go out and be this 18 points, seven assist type of guy who just controls the game almost to a Steve Nash-esque level. And yet, even when he settles for like what he did last year, 14.6 assists and just doing a decent job sputting up. I was horribly disappointed, mm-hmm. like really disappointed. And and the, the whole contract element from him just, uh, I need to get over that, but I, I've seen a lot of people, especially on Twitter also just kind of rolling their eyes and going, why did we pay Dragic 86 million? And that's where the, the new deal comes in and kind of saves their ass. Right. Just a little bit. But, like Even if he goes back to old Dragic, and Sarah, I know you said that even though he does, they'll still be horrid, right? But what if Miami becomes somewhat respectable? Is that even a place they want to go right now? Is it a place they should go?
3: I would think not, especially given the Bosch news. But I don't think they really have a choice in the matter. I, you know, they yeah. signed Dragic thinking Dwayne Wade would be, be there for... You know to the end of his career and they could not have foreseen this Bosch thing becoming such an issue that it might force him to retire early so they're kind of caught in the middle of two phases of team building where yeah. you know, they, they were in win now mode and now they kind of have to dramatically overhaul within a summer so it wouldn't totally shock me if they trade Dragic at some point but uh, until I think until they get final, final, final definitive word on Bosch. They're just yeah. gonna let Dragic run. You know, if anything they'll increase his trade value and then mm. we can see, you know, I think a lot of it's gonna come down to if a contender loses their point guard and suddenly a team is willing to give up a primo first round pick for Dragic. You know, would it surprise you if they moved him then? No, of course not. No, of course not. I think no. Riley's going to be opportunistic whenever he can.
2: You mentioned something interesting there. You said that the Heat expected him to be paired with Wade, indicating, mm-hmm. of course, Miami had interest in keeping Wade. Right. Yet for two continuous seasons or summers, they lowballed the hell out of him. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so weird. Yeah. And now they paid the price because he left.
3: Yeah. Like, well, to be fair. They offered he would have netted more money with the Miami deal than he took at Charlotte. He just felt slighted, but you know I I don't blame Miami for not giving him. They were offering what two years forty million for a, you know he's a really good player, but like he wanted, I think he wanted a three year deal. It's a lot yeah. of you know it's, you're committing a lot of your franchise's future, at least your short term future to a guy who you can't necessarily count on. Like last year he was great, but the past the uh, few years before that he had a lot of knee issues and you just didn't know what you were going to get out of him in a given night so we'll see what happens with miami i I think we all pretty much agree that they will be toward the bottom of this division but let's let's speed through these last two teams here we're going to go to the orlando magic who i would say it's fair to say they baffled the hell out of all of us this summer is that right
2: Yep. Oh, you're being so kind, man.
3: <laughs> yeah. So they brought in, you know, they traded for Serge Ibaka. Then they signed Bismack Biombo, signed Jeff Green, uh, brought Frank Vogel in as a coach, which we liked. Uh, yeah. You know, lost Victor Oladipo, lost Ersan Ilyasova, Scott Skiles abruptly resigned, lost some bench depth too. I think the biggest question is what what the hell is this front court? Like how in the world do they juggle minutes between all of these guys?
2: I don't even care right now. It's so ridiculous. Sarah, just just go go on a spree for me, huh? because a, this magic team is just making me frustrated. Look look at what they're doing, man.
3: Yeah,
4: it is. It's like what you guys. I completely forgot they were the ones that ended up with Bianbo. Like, yeah, because I'm thinking about uh-huh. Ibaka and Gordon and Vucevic, and yeah, I was just remembered that out of the blue. It's like, oh my god, honestly, what are they doing? <laughs> and I. I like so many of their pieces that it's, it's frankly upsetting because I felt like they could have been a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, no, they just give away Tobias and, and all the depots gone. And, but still there's a lot there. They're going to play Aaron Gordon at small forward. Is that what we're saying?
3: That's, that's the rumor. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah. Um, all
2: right, look, I, I, yeah, I'm now I'm going to rant. I'm go, sorry. Go Please do. Look, look, so let, let's let's look at all these things. Their their point guard is a guy who can't shoot, who's about the old NBA, not the new NBA. And they were so in love with him that, and Scott Skiles wasn't that they essentially chose Alfred Payton over Scott Skiles, a thing that should never ever happen. They traded Tobias freaking Harris, twenty three, maybe twenty four at the time, a combo forward on a good deal who can shoot, play, uh, you know, play defense, not particularly well but at least uh participate on that end of the floor and and at times be respectable then they trade victor oladipo and the rights to domantaza bonus a very underrated rookie for sergey Baga, who has one year left and which which then puts their biggest prospect in Aaron Gordon down a slot to the small forward position which is a position he shouldn't play and then tells Aaron Gordon well you have to split time with Jeff freaking Green because we just spent 15 million on him yep. then their starting center Nikola Vucevic is a non-defender so they thought okay let's let's get in Bismack Biyombo but let's not trade Vucevic because we have to clog up the front court just because meanwhile We have Evan Fournier, who has to take the reins over Victor Oladipo, which is fine, but Fournier is not a self-creator to the same extent that Victor Oladipo was, or the defender, so he's going to be doubled or even triple teamed at the times. Meanwhile, he can't even pass the ball to Alfred Payton, because he can't make a goddamn jump shot. Am I getting this right?
3: You, you also forgot that Mario Hazonia is going to be buried on the bench for the second straight year.
2: There, there's that, too. Yeah, so welcome, Frank Vocal. I love your <laughs> signing, but you have your work cut out for you.
3: Yeah, I think that, it, it's such a baffling set of moves that you have to think they have something else in the works, right? Like, you can't expect that this is their plan. This is their long-term plan. And especially, I mean, look, I... I said it earlier, I'm a huge Georgetown homer. I love Jeff Green. He gave me a free trip to Atlanta in 2007. I will always love Jeff Green for that. But why, in God's name, do you trade Tobias Harris for cap relief? You know, you traded him for Jennings and Mm -hmm. Ilyasova. Ilyasova was part of the deal to get Ibaka. But you basically traded him for two expiring contracts, neither of whom are now on your team. And then you spent all of the money that was going to Tobias Harris on Jeff Green. Harris is getting sixteen million a year, Jeff's getting fifteen million a year. Like he's only on a one year deal, so I get it, it's a fine flyer. But it's just not, No, it's not. <laughs> it's just not a position of need. Like, it is just such a weird I don't know why you do it. Like it it only robs minutes of guys who are in your long term plans. Like Gordon and Hazonia, in theory mm are two of your top prospects and should be like the guys that you are trying to find minutes for. But instead, I mean Jeff Green's probably going to play 20 25 minutes a night, which is
2: suicide. You
3: know, yeah, I mean I just don't see how his plays again, like, unless he plays yeah. like as the backup too, but you have Jody Meek's now too. So I don't I just don't know. We're all <laughs> we are all perplexed by Orlando and I think can we say anything nice about them or should we just go to the Wizards?
2: No, I- not this is not nice, but I mean, I, I suppose they could ask Santa for a big reset button that takes them back to <laughs> prior to the Dwight trade. Yeah. I mean, and then do everything over again, like get that one shot. Right. I, I like Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise and Emily yeah. Blunt. Terrific <laughs> movie. That's we could actually make a movie about Orlando Magic based on Edge of Tomorrow,
3: yeah, because I mean, they should. started, you know, they, they for what they got out of that Dwight trade like looking back on it they were the only team to win any part of that trade because everyone no. else all of those players left after the first year so everyone else lost by a landslide so I mean and considering what happened to Dwight even since he left you know they that was the ultimate sell high they got a bunch of young prospects and picks and they should have they should be a lot further in their rebuild than they are. But right now, it just feels like they have no damn plan whatsoever. And <laughs> I, I'll be honest, like, Sixers fans, we hold Orlando up as the example of, like, this is what you wanted Sam Hinkie to do. You wanted him to just tread water and, like, sign Ben Gordon and Channing Frye and then trade them for nothing, like, and then just be in a position where i'm giving moharkless harkless away for a top 55 protected pick that i'm never gonna see okay sure yeah that, that's a great plan yeah. so we, we could have been the magic but instead <laughs> i mean i i guess ben simmons and joel and don't have a hole of candles or whatever the hell this front court is so
4: i feel like there has to be a plan though but but i can't see what it is
3: yeah, may, right. That's the thing. Maybe in like two years' time, we look back on this and we're like, oh, wow, they really did know what they were doing. Yeah. But I just don't see it right now. So.
2: The Jeff Green signing is what kind of makes that point weird, though. You know, yeah. you can say, all right, two years down the road, well, then signing Jeff Green to one year 15 million, that shows not only a tremendous lack of creativity, mm-hmm. by the way. But if he's not a part of the future, why the hell get him on board to clock up minutes for the development of your youngsters? Look, this team should have been probably in the Eastern Conference Finals by now. They had so many weapons. They could have cashed them in like Boston wanted to or or did in 2007. They could have. They could have been a playoff team right now and and a playoff team that went deep. But instead, they kept selling off young pieces for, what, 40 cents on the dollar it's tremendously stupid and i have no idea what they're doing and look i mean i crab on the bulls all the time but in terms of a rebuilding project this is this was something that went from an a plus to like a d real quick yeah and and you know i i can't fathom right now how orlando magic fans are thinking or, or what what they're going through because their whole future, more or less, just was wasted within a year.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Where to go from here, right? They, like, what do you do?
3: From what I could, the, the ones I follow on my timeline are still cautiously optimistic about this year, but I don't know why. So,
2: will they be when search leaves them for nothing next year?
3: Probably not. But I said the same thing about Batum last year with Charlotte, and you know maybe. It, I mean. That's the that's the thing that's crazy. The best case scenario is that surgery signs, and then what do you do with Aaron Gordon? Because he is like his natural position is the four. Yeah. So it's yeah. Let's let's move on before we okay, get angry. But a bit. Far
4: and away, their best move of the offseason, getting Chad Forcier out of uh, San Antonio,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really really
4: bummed that he left. He's a great player development guy, but I mean maybe he can turn Aaron Gordon into a super three.
3: There it you go. Happen. Maybe he's the next Kawhi.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the hesitation right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Sure. Brian, it's Friday. Why yeah, not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just keep dreaming, but
3: okay. Let's move on to the Wizards before we get any angrier. Uh I oh, mean... is that even
2: a, is that even better going off to the Wizards? This division sucks, man. <laughs> it's, it's
3: terrible. It's really bad. Just wait till we do our conference predictions. It's just going to be a tire fire. <laughs> uh, I mean, so the Wizards, I think the big storyline over the offseason, I mean, they brought in Scotty Brooks. They brought in Ian Mahinmi, uh, rounded out their bench depth, lost Nene, lost Jared Dudley. The big thing was this weird simmering tension between John Wall and Bradley Beal, where John Wall seems to really want to put himself on a tier above Beal. But then Beale just signed a deal that's worth fifty million more than Wall's, and he's really trying to be the one and one A to Wall, and Wall's like, no no no. I'm Batman, you're you're like not even Robin. <laughs> <laughs> so Morton, because I just used the Batman analogy, yeah. <laughs> how do you think they coexist after this drama filled off season?
2: Not well probably something along the lines of the Derek Rose Jimmy Butler thing Mm. I could see Mm -hmm. but you know it's look even if they somehow found uh, a deep lost love for one another you still have to be concerned about Bradley Beal more or less suggesting that he can't play a full game's worth of minutes like he himself kind of alluded to the fact that oh you know I might not be able to play big minutes for the rest of my career <laughs> right and then yet despite saying these things here you go bradley Beal with a max contract <laughs> that's <laughs> that's concerning to me but Ryan, i i i have to actually ask you a question because let's see on august 21st i was looking through um, Philadelphia and, and and Washington just because I was looking at their respective rosters. Mm-hmm. And a trade kind of popped up in my head. You're, I know you are in love with Ben Simmons and all, but I'm just going to throw this at you right here. And by the way, I just need to make sure Carl Lantry is no longer yes. a, a sixer. All all right, right. So he's going to be removed from, from the equation.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, Jalil Okafor, Ben Simmons, Rashawn Holmes for John Wall and Marching Gortat.
3: Oh, oh.
2: Uh. It, from from my perspective, it makes so much sense, and it would be one of the best defensive pairings in John Wall and Nerlens Noel. Could you yeah. imagine the defensive pick and roll on that thing?
3: Uh, I mean, that would be awesome. And Gortat is a beast as well. My concern. And you keep
2: Embiid, yeah. And you keep Saric
3: yeah. My concern with that is that you still have the same problem that the Sixers have now. Like they, they just don't need Gortat in that deal. Like if that was, it was to
2: to make it more, uh, yeah, attractive, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah. yeah,
3: like there might be something that if it was like John Wall and Otto Porter, that would be more for me to consider than Gortat because right. that that would at least fill fill a hole. You know, I mean, you got Robert Covington, but besides that, you don't really have a lot of depth at the three because I think Jeremy Grant's better suited for the four. Um, I love Rashawn Holmes, by the way, so that that one helps me to to go. I mean, I do think John Wall, I'm wondering how long he's in Washington.
2: Exactly why I asked. Yeah, Yeah. because
3: there was that, I think it was a Michael Lee of the vertical last year had a story, I want to say it was him, where wall was kind of talking about like hey they don't have billboards of me anywhere in this town like people don't give a crap right. about me and it's true yeah. like my wife is from the washington dc area i went to school in washington i lived there for eight years no one gives a damn about the wizards like it is a redskins city with like the nationals and the capitals are number two and three in some regard and the wizards just no one cares, or no one expects anything out of them, except for, they're, you know, they have... I don't want to, like, make fun of Wizards fans, because there are some people out there who care, but the city as a whole does not rally behind the Wizards like, say, a San Antonio, or an OKC, or a Golden State, or even, I mean, Chicago Bulls fans have not gotten a great rap in recent years, but people care m- far more about the Bulls here and they do the wizards in DC. So
2: I actually have a story about that because I attended a wizards game uh, in Christmas twenty fourteen. um uh, Ironically, against the Bulls. I was, just I was at that game
3: too.
2: Oh, you were? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. the 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 one where Tony Snell looked completely idiotic and couldn't find anyone defensively. Or that's probably not what you remember. You remember the Bulls kicking the shit off the the wizards, though. right? I do. Right. And Pau Gasol draining that corner three at oh, the end yeah. of the first quarter. Yep. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. That's fun. Look, yeah. small world, yeah. right? By the way, look forward to that, Sarah, the Pau Gasol three-pointer occasion. <laughs> so, as you, as you might remember, Washington made a run, like, in the middle of the third quarter mm-hmm. that concluded with a John Wall layup. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think a couple of rows got on their feet. That was the biggest cheer I heard that night. Yeah. People were just not at all into it and when the Bulls won it was like mm. all right. Yeah. There was like nothing there. It wasn't like boo or anything. There was no passion whatsoever. And I was I was there with my girlfriend and my younger brother and they two were like we, we we were looking for the stadium. We had just arrived in DC, and mm-hmm. like, oh! And my, my my girlfriend went. You know, we could just like follow the signs. They probably have a lot of ads for for the team and nope. going on around. And my, my younger brother, who was playing basketball at the time, was like, "Oh man, they! I can't wait to jo- watch John Wall. I can't believe we got tickets because like Washington fans got to be crazy about him. They 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 got to love him. We got some of the best seats. We we're like." 25 feet off the floor mm-hmm. and they weren't expensive at all and people just didn't care at all we didn't see any billboards any ads we didn't see no nothing <laughs> it was like okay so this there's like just basketball in this building yeah. right? <laughs> it was so weird yeah. i i and i've been into a lot of arenas around the states i've never seen uh a, an arena so basketball less
3: yeah i mean a lot of it is because DC is what they call a transplant city. So it's a lot of people from other areas. So they don't have ties to the DC area necessarily. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the wizards just haven't been, you know, they had the Gilbert arenas years, but that was really the peak of where they were. So mm. their, their peak was the treadmill of mediocrity. So there just isn't a huge built-in fan base there. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I can understand wall's frustration with that. You know, he's a, if not a top 10 player, top 15, top 20, like he he is a superstar and he's now in the midst of his prime and it feels like it's about to go to waste because you know, i this this roster is good, but what's their ceiling? Like the second round of the playoffs at best?
2: Yeah, uh, no, at best making the playoffs. Yeah. Barely.
3: I mean, i i'm a little I, I have higher hopes for Markeith Morris, because I think he's going to be motivated after whatever happened to him in Phoenix last year. And, you know, I, I, he played better once he left Phoenix. And I think with a full off season, he'll knock on wood. He should improve a little bit more. Uh, you know, Otto Porter, it's, he's entering his fourth year. There's some rumblings that Kelly Oubre might actually push him out of the starting lineup, which will be... Interesting to keep an eye on, but you know, I think we like we said at the very top of this segment, it all comes down to Wall and Beal, And if they can't coexist, one of them has to go. And they just gave Beal $130 million. So Wall is that guy, you know, he's not they're not going to be openly shopping him, but he's one of those guys where like it would not be a total surprise if there was a blockbuster deal in the middle of the season involving John Wall.
2: Oh he's he's in a boogie situation right now,
3: yeah, it's a good way of putting it
2: If he reaches unrestricted free agency, he gone dude yeah,
3: yeah, I would think so. I would definitely think so. All right, let's go to our rankings of the Southeast division, and Sarah, I'm gonna start with you. For i don't know this might be really hard but it's for the terrible. watchability yeah the watchability rankings which <laughs> which team of any is actually watchable go one through five for us here
4: you know i really like that we should do that which team if any is watchable instead yeah. of even ranking them <laughs> right yeah um, i don't
3: i don't know if you're going to be league passing many of these teams yeah, this year
4: this is probably the mo- the least interesting division in the entire league Mm-hmm. um you know what's funny is there is something that's just really interesting about the magic to me, <laughs> and it <laughs> and it could be that I mean you guys know I have the big man bias. I still right. I still don't know how. Maybe they should just try out all their big men in oh. one lineup. Yeah, that be become... fun.
3: The Sixers are going to do it, so the, yeah, they might as well
4: <laughs> go for it. Why don't you just play Aaron Gordon at uh, Gordon at point guard?
3: Yeah, hey, why not? Yeah, for sure.
2: Let's speed his development up, and he's the new Draymond Green anyway, so yeah. (laughs) Let's
4: do it. Um, Yeah, but it could also just be like, you know how they had that ride at Disney World that was like just disasters all around you? It's like like you roll into the subway, and then there's an earthquake, and then the ground opens up, and then there's fire everywhere, and then the water pipes burst, and then it floods. And it's kind of like that. Like, you could see how that could be fun. It's like, as long as you know you're probably not going to get hurt, there's something interesting about it. So, for that reason, I might pick the Magic. Um. So, every now and then, tune in. Check out what's going on with the Magic. Um, other than that... Look at the
2: first quarter box score first. <laughs> right, right. Right,
3: right.
4: Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than that, honest to God, there's just really there's not a lot that I want to see. Is there anything that you guys are looking forward to in this division? No.
3: Can, no.
2: can we put a cricket chirping sound in,
3: in here? Yeah, we need a producer just for that. I am excited yeah. to see Dway Howard and see how he fits in Atlanta. But honestly, yeah. in terms of ranking these teams, I, I, I mean, they're all – I I one of them is going to make the playoffs and I think it's going to be the Hawks. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, the other four, all of them could make it, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't think there's going to be more than one playoff team out of here. So I think if if someone held a gun in my head and I had to rank these teams today, I think I would do Hawks, Hornets, Wizards, Magic, Heat, Deadlast. What about you, Martin?
2: Um well, they can share the fifth spot every each every one. Of them. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not even gonna put one above <laughs> one another. Oh, okay, Hawks won and then type for, for fifth so four. <laughs> look, this is such an indifferent division. I, I mean look, I'm I'm not usually one to, you know, poo poo the league and going all snobbish and whatnot, but this division is is just so weirdly put together mm-hmm. and and it's so <laughs> dramatically uninteresting, yeah that I have a hard time getting into it i I suppose the new faces is what will drive me a little bit, yeah Dwight, as you mentioned, I would also like to see Michael Kit Gilchrist coming back a little bit mm-hmm. um Miami, I suppose it could be interesting to see what Josh Richardson is doing as well as seeing if Hassan White side. Can do more without having any real front court partner. I think he's an underrated scorer. Mm, um, yep. Like he could potentially have a twenty thirteen year. I mean, yeah. I'm not putting that beside him. And then Orlando. <laughs> I mean, I suppose I just want to watch the train wreck, <laughs> and then hopefully watch uh, Aaron Gordon and Serge Ibaka make something out of this. I also like Evan Fournier. Yeah but that's really about it. I if Maria Hizonia is stuck to the bench for a whole year, I'm going to cry because I think he's awesome. And in terms of Washington, Washington might be one of the most unwatchable teams in the entire league. I I just find their playing style so so deplorable. <laughs> I mean, it's so so many so many long twos. So so much half court basketball they're not running. It's just Ugh, and they just get John Wall out of there. They
3: just hired Scotty Brooks, who is the king of long twos at OKC. So it's going to be even more excitement from the Wizards this year.
2: Yeah, like if the if one key storyline is does Kelly Oubre push Otto Porter out of the starting <laughs> lineup, then you have a goddamn problem,
3: dude. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. Okay, so let's let's go through. Uh, who do you guys think the MVP of the division is, Sarah? Let's start with you.
4: Um, <laughs> I really... <laughs>
0: we don't even care. I'm using this
3: what? term loosely, I should say. I
4: really, like, there's no name jumping at me for this. Um, oh my god.
2: Kemba? We lost so many listeners from, from people from that division, like, fans of that yeah, division. Yeah. Like, five fans of five teams just hates us right now.
3: We praise the Hawks, so only... The Magic oh, that's right. Magic fans deservedly hate us. That's fine. Yeah.
4: <laughs> but potentially Kemba, but I just worry about him because he's he's gonna have to carry so much pressure for scoring on that team.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: So hopefully that doesn't drag him down this year.
3: More what about you? John Wall. Yeah. Yep. That's I was gonna say him, Hassan Whiteside could be the dark horse, especially mm-hmm. with Bosch and Wade gone.
2: Just feel- John Wall.
3: But yeah, well, I mean, Wall like, was a monster I, last
2: year. Yeah, I don't think it's even close. Yeah, like John Wall to me is like, not not he, if he won like an MVP of the division, the name MVP wouldn't be enough. He should be called the mega elite superstar MVP because he's so far ahead of everyone else in this <laughs> division. And and that's almost why I want him traded because then he would at least play against better competition. You guys, to <laughs> oh, the man. to the
4: point about. The Wizards to it, nobody caring. Like did you see there was that small exchange? Kirk Cousins said he wanted the skins to be like the Spurs. And oh, no. and then the Spurs sent him a jersey and he tweeted it out and the Washington Wizards account tweeted, We don't like that <laughs> <laughs> It was so sad. I mean, of course he's not gonna say we wanna be like the Wizards but oh, it was it was sad. <laughs> so yeah.
3: That's that's perfect. What a perfect way to <laughs> sum up this division. <laughs> uh, all right, so Coach of the Year from the division. I, this is actually kind of – I mean, there are some good coaches in this division.
0: This, this mm. one's
3: kind of tricky. Yeah. But, Sarah, I'm going to guess, given your Spurs you know. bias, yep. Mr. Budenholzer gets your vote. Morton, what about you?
2: I'm probably a coach butt, too. Yeah. Uh, having said that, Frank Vogel, if he can turn – what is the magic right now into actual magic, then mm-hmm. I was supposed that, that he should get the nod.
3: Yeah.
2: And, and I love Steve Clifford regardless. Yeah.
3: So and don't, don't, he's my boo. Don't rule out Spalestra either. Hey. If he can, if he could coax this heat team <laughs> into even 35 wins. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. so really it's everyone, but Scotty Brooks, who we just haven't seen in a while. And hell, maybe Scotty Brooks learned from his OKC days. I mean, there's not a truly bad coach in this division. You know, so, uh, as Scott Brooks does not have a great reputation, but he's he is at least a league average coach. I would say there's no Byron Scott in this division, so this that one will actually be closely contended. Do you guys have any crushes in this division? Is <laughs> that even, <laughs> <laughs> is that even worth asking? I have one, uh, but I, I'll let you guys go first.
2: Well. Aaron Gordon, okay, obviously, yep, yeah,
4: I could, yeah. I could get with that. Um, I kind of like Otto Porter. Ah, you took mine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um,
2: I knew he was gonna get this. Is Georgetown guy so Brian George is Dad. so predictable; it's unbelievable.
4: <laughs> well, to that point, uh, I have a Villanova bias, so I like Daniel Ochefu, but he may just oh, okay. get buried. I don't know what'll happen there. Uh, Brian Roberts could potentially have a good year. I've always liked him. Um, okay, yeah. backing, wow. Backing up Kemba, that. perhaps.
3: Good. Yeah, yeah. that's a fun one. Yeah, I'm going all Georgetown, <laughs> because this is apparently the Hoya division. We have Jeff Greed, Hibbert, and Otto. We just need Greg Monroe and Hollis traded here. Although, didn't Henry, Henry Simmons just sign this somewhere? The Jazz, I think. So, we've got half of the current active Georgetown players. But yes, Otto Porter is mine as well. I'm, a, I, I'm not a believer that this Kelly Oubre thing is... <laughs> actually gonna happen i think porter's gonna keep a he's not sexy like he's he's uh, that's the thing (laughs) he's just like he's not a like a flashy like 20 points per game scorer but he's just like so fundamentally good at everything that he does Mm -hmm. that he's just like the quintessential glue guy so i think maybe this year now you know like wall and beal and Markeev can carry more of the scoring load and then Otto can kind of just slide in as that fourth option on offense I actually think Otto is going to have a big year, so I hope. I mean that that is completely super biased because we share the same school, but <laughs> I'm I'm hopeful that Otto and Roy Hibbert and Jeff Green all have a good year and break the Georgetown NCAA tournament curse in the process.
2: So many writers always type out. He's not the sexy pick. He doesn't play sexy. You know what? I wanna, I wanna see a writer just once go for it and say, you know what? That guy, he's sexy. He's a sexy beast. Come on now. I, it's always used as, oh, he's not sexy. When are we gonna see the the the, the different the different tunes? So Brian, I'm I'm giving you an assignment. Next time you you see a player who's downright sexy, you go for it.
3: I think that's the entire Warriors team, right? I'm pretty oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, Steph pretty Curry. True. Hitting a 33-foot yeah. three-point shot, we can define also, that as sexy.
2: guys, I feel kind of left out. I don't have a favorite college team. Like, I should probably make it a competition between the two of you, like, to convince me to go for Georgetown or Villanova.
3: Don't, Georgetown's just a world of pain. Don't do it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Villanova are the champions, so I think that's yeah. pretty easy.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there, yeah.
2: there you yeah. go. Oh, that that was an epic game. I'll give you that. It yeah. Was, yeah.
3: All right, guys, this has been another episode of the NBA podcast. We will continue our division previews next time with the Pacific, where we will talk about the sexy warriors, the not-so-sexy kings, and everything in between. Until then, Morton and Sarah, it's always good talking to you.
2: Likewise, Bri, and I promise we'll be be a lot happier next time around.
3: Yes, we'll have far more fun things to talk about. All right, take it easy, guys.
2: You too. Easter is coming up, and I just can't
4: wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch?
1: Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family.
4: I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine &
1: Welcome to Total Wine & More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the
2: world. When people talk about Total Wine & More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere.
1: And friendly, helpful experts at every turn.
2: You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world
1: shop in store or online at totalwine.com. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number 1, number 2 employee. Leave a message at the Hey Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your a cappella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year. Sorry, is pitchy.